Welcome to the Great Lakes Fishing Podcast presented by Fishhawk Electronics. If you're looking for news, tips, and stories about fishing the Great Lakes, you've come to the right place. And now your host, Chris Larson. Hello and welcome to the Great Lakes Fishing Podcast. Captain Sarah Sandall from Schools Out Sport Fishing joins the show for episode number 171. Topics for today's show include trout and salmon fishing from Racine, Wisconsin, crushing cohos, and developing a good first mate. Captain Gerard Urbanozo is co-hosting this episode. You are the first female captain we've ever had on the show. Awesome. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Tell us about yourself and what you do. Um, I am a teacher by day and a charter captain uh, in the summer. Um, I've been fishing the lake for about 10 years, um, started out fishing tournaments. Um, my brother said, Sarah, you have the summers off. You should totally be a first mate. Uh, so I started first mating for a couple of guys uh, that run charters that were part of our salmon club. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, my boyfriend, who owns the business that I work for now, he put another boat in the water and he needed somebody to run it. So I went back and got my captain's license. And this is my third year running my own boat. That is, I never even thought about that, but that is a brilliant idea for a teacher. Yeah. I need to be a teacher. <laughs> yeah. That, that is a really good idea. Yeah. He just wanted information from me. Yeah. He wanted information <laughs> from me. It's like, there's cheap labor I can get through the summer that works out, works out good. So tell me about uh, the boat that you're running and kind of what, what you do, what your program looks like. Where do you guys, where do you fish out of and those types of things? So we are out of Racine, so a little bit north of here. Um, mm -hmm. We have three boats in the water, a 35-foot Lures Allura, that's the boat I run. Um, we have a 34-foot Pursuit, um, that's the boat that Shane's run. And then we have a 24-foot North River. Um, that one went in the water just yesterday. Um, so that's the third boat added to the fleet. Um, I, you know, I having a network, I can't say, you know, enough about that. You, you have to have a lot of people that you reach out to, um, cause it's a big lake. <laughs> so, um, so I, you know, I have my go-to stuff that's consistent every year. Um, so I have, you know, I just throw out my, my usuals and then adapt from, from that. What are the fish telling me they want? And, you know talking to other people and figuring out, you know, what the fish want. So tell us a little bit about Racine. Uh, you know, we're going to, we're in Winthrop Harbor here. Racine, how much further north is that from here? About 25 miles north. What's different about that? You know, 25 miles, you could have a whole bunch, bunch of structure change. Tell us about Racine compared to here. Um, so we, the hills do continue. Um, I think you talked about the hills mm -hmm. a little bit. Um, they continue up towards Racine. Um, we have what's called the Rock, which is a reef just outside the harbor um, that holds a lot of fish in there. Um, just north of us, we have Wind Point, uh, and then uh, a structure called the Cans, which are shoals that usually hold a bunch of fish. Uh, we have the Oak Creek Power Plant, that's just a little bit north, uh, that you know fish will slide in just north of the point there. So lots of different structures um, that we can fish, and then also we can come south too. So we kind of, we have a, a lot going for us up there. Is that something that can be a detriment knowing that, you know, when you go out, if you've only got one big chunk of structure, then it's pretty easy to make your decision on where to go. But you just described a lot of different places, a lot of different um, opportunities to go to. How do you sort that out as a captain and kind of choose where you're going to go in the morning? I make a lot of phone calls. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's, 
you know, me, I'm still in school right now. So um, I'm a weekend warrior for a couple more weeks. Uh, so Friday night comes around and make my phone calls. Um, but once summer happens, you know, I'm out there every day and, and that definitely helps because you, you get your patterns out um, and then you, you just follow the fish where they go. Um, so right now it's definitely, you know, making phone calls at the charters that have been out um, during the week and, and kind of figuring out a game plan from there. Um, but, you know, once you're out there every day, you, you've got you got them figured out and then you have people calling you. <laughs> right. So the main question, knowing that you're on a Racine, uh, what's your favorite flavor of Pringle? Ooh. <laughs> um, oh, definitely the apple. Yeah. Yeah. Apple <laughs> Our customers like those too. <laughs> yeah. Larson's Bakery, is that still the thing there? Um, we usually get O&H. So there's two bakeries. It's not like yeah. kind of like a, if you like this kind, you don't like that kind. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You can't like both. <laughs> right. Exactly. I think that's how that, how that works there. Yeah. So uh, just, just a cool community. Uh, you know, you, you've got the, the, that, you know, is it the Danish community, right? That mm -hmm. makes, that makes the crackle. Yep. So yep. a cool community and just a, a great place to fish. Tell me a little bit about the fishery there in Racine and kind of how the seasonalities work. Um, so we definitely have the coho early, um, just like uh, Jerry and Dan said, they, they definitely showed up early. Um, and then last weekend we were already out in 200 feet of water uh, chasing them. So yeah, coho early. Um, and then as the season progresses, we start moving out towards the hill. Um, and then, you know, July, August, the hill starts setting up with those kings coming in. Um, and then there's always the offshore bite that we'll, we'll eventually get out to. But Stay. We just stay closer to shore early on, um, and then as the summer progresses, make our way out a little bit deeper. What are the returns like? What's what's that fall return like out of Racine? It's awesome out of Racine because uh, they stock the kings right there in the root. Mm -hmm. um, so we do have a lot of return. Um, yeah, the harbor mouth is a pretty crazy area in the fall, especially <laughs> those kayakers, right? Yeah, those darn kayakers. <laughs> <laughs> Jerry, do you have anything for Sarah? Okay, so one thing you haven't mentioned yet, and I know you guys have quite a bit of really good brown trout fishing up there. We do. So spill some beans we on that do. one. When's the best time and um, presentation? I mean, there's there's some browns. They're they're always around. Um, mm -hmm. It's getting them to go. Um, always, I just run stinger spoons. The the copper blanks and uh, the the gold blanks really do well. Um, I'll run light lines off of my downriggers. Um, but you know, they, they'll hit coho stuff too. <laughs> do you have to run them closer to the bottom? Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, I do run them closer to the bottom off of the riggers. Um, but yeah, just the, the stinger spoons on the, the gold blanks and the, the copper blanks are, are really good. Um, yeah, around the cans is really good um, in tight right off the point. Uh, and then the, the rock too, the reef that I was talking about mm -hmm. out there, you get some good ones out of there too. Scott Gardens over on YouTube says that he's going to be fishing with you folks in a couple weeks. Excellent. So uh, he's saying hello. Uh, we did have a question here earlier, and we'll we'll give it to you. I think it was actually directed towards Jerry earlier in the show. Uh, I can't get to that comment anymore, but uh, just asking about calls and and what your setup for calls looks like. Um, so right now I'm running a 15 rod spread. Um, I run four mono boards on each side. Um, different lengths anywhere I'll run on one side, like 50, 40, 30, 20. Um, and then, you know, if they're hitting the, the deeper one, then I'll adjust and run them a little bit longer off of the boards. 
Um, I run two dipsies, two braid divers on each side, one high diver, one low diver. One's on a three setting, one's on a one setting. Um, and then I run three riggers. Um, I'll probably, I'll run like a, a stubby flasher or stubby dodger and double O, you know, typical coho stuff. Um, and then I always run an SWR just to keep the canes honest. Um, and then, you know, when we know there's a little more kings around, then I'll throw some king stuff out there. Like last weekend, the cohos, they disappeared. So I definitely threw some more king stuff out, just eight-inch flashers and four-inch flies. So that spoon you gave me earlier, uh, I'm going to put that on an SWR. Mm -hmm. And how deep? Where are you fishing? Right here. <laughs> Towards the bottom. <laughs> okay. So 15-round spread for cohos and Racine's got that reputation where when the cohos are on, they're on and oh, yeah. you're going to be busy. Oh, yeah. How do you manage a spread like that when the cohos are gone? Um, have a good first mate. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it just, you, it's always nice having a good first mate that knows the next move that needs to happen without you having to say, mm -hmm. um, I've got a 17 year old working for me. His name's Ben. Um, then you better be watching. Um, and, you know, we fished together a lot last summer um, and a little bit the summer before. And he and I, we've, we've made a really good team. Like he knows what I'm thinking and where I'll just yell at him and he'll do it. And, and it's nice to, where you don't have to say what you need next. Right. So, I mean, there'll be sometimes that there's five, six rods out of the water and then it's like, all right, we'll just, Get them back in. We can get them back in. So extra rod holders is going to be the 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 key. Yes, yes, for the sure. Place to put the dead rods. Talk about that. So you brought up Ben and, and how you guys kind of work together. How do you get? And this is probably something for even the the folks who are going to go out and fish on a twenty footer with your with your let's say your buddy or maybe you've got a teenage child or something you're going to go out with. How do you work on that where you can start working in rhythm with someone? How does that kind of form? I think a lot of it helped for me fishing on my tournament team mm -hmm. um, with my brother um, and then a couple other guys. Um, you just you have to you you just pick up on what needs to happen, and the only way you can do that is by doing it. Like I can sit in front of you and tell you all day what needs to be done, but you you just have to do it. Um, and like know when to move rods, know when to stow a rod, know when you can put this back out. And it, it takes just a lot of practice and routine and, and people can't get upset when they get yelled at to do something. <laughs> are you, are you hard on your first mates? He changes a lot of baits. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, no. He, he's a good, he's a good kid. Hard worker. How long, how long have you been with him? Um, this will be his third season fishing with us. So he actually, he came out, um, with his brother and his dad and his uncle as customers of ours. Mm -hmm. Um, and just had, he fishes nonstop. As soon as he's off the boat with us, he's out fishing somewhere. Um, and, and he heard, or Shane asked him, my boyfriend Shane asked him if he wanted a job and he's like, yep. So he just started fishing with us and here we are three years later. And that's kind of a weird, I mean, I shouldn't say weird, but it's a tough thing to do because if this is his third season as a 17-year-old, he started as a 15-year-old, how do you, as a captain, trust your business? Because it's important. Your first mate's like kind of the first person. It's the person that your customers are really interacting with almost as much or maybe more than you. Yeah. Um, how do you bring a 15-year-old into the fold 
and get them working with you and for you like that? Um, I think, well, having a good upbringing and having, having, uh, you know, good work ethic is huge. Mm -hmm. Um, that which he does. Um, and, and I mean, he can be quiet sometimes, <laughs> sometimes like then it's okay. You can talk to the customers. Um, but you know, just he'll, he'll chime in when he, when he needs to chime in, but no, he's, he's good. And just, I think he, uh, he sees how I interact with the customers and just kind of feeds off of that. Ben, we've been talking about, yeah, so make sure you do a good job this summer. You will. <laughs> Have you given him a downrigger that he can test full control over? I, yes. Okay. I, yeah. It yeah. took me at least a year to get a downrigger where I could do whatever with that downrigger when I was first made. Yeah. And the yeah. first food, I'm like, okay, what do I put on this now? <laughs> so, yeah. So, Jerry, when you get to that point as a first mate where you get your own downrigger, maybe you get, maybe even let you set up a dipsy or maybe even let you set up uh, something on a board, what do you do? Are you going to do something similar to what the captain wants or are you just going to go and do your own thing? Well, the first year where I was given, you know, like a chance, you, you try to go with something like the, that the captain never uses because you want to show off. It, it's a natural thing. But What if you lose, though? It's a gamble, right? It is, yes. It is a gamble, right? I mean, yeah. the young kids always want to prove something, right. which it can be good. Yeah. You know, like I brought in a marabou fly, a purple and white marabou fly, because I caught it in my boat, and I brought it, and he looks at me like, no. What? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Be, yeah. There's sometimes he'll he'll come up with something. I'll be like, no. you're not putting that out. Now, if it's a tough day and we're not catching anything, I'll be like, you can put whatever you want. I'll just catch us. Something. And you know it's a tough day, right? When you when the captain <laughs> yeah. says that. Yeah. yeah. He's like, can I put that on? I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> and you better shine when the captain gives you. Bad when the captain gives you the opportunity, you better take it. Yep. You better shine. Throw, throw the kitchen sink at him. Mm -hmm. We do that sometimes. Got to figure him out. So what's it like for you? It's time to go back to school when those returns are starting to happen. It sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and in May when, when you know, the cohos are getting caught and mm -hmm. I'm sitting at school just like, oh, man, <laughs> I want to get out there. And then, of course, the wind blows on weekends. Um, but, yeah, no, it's, it's tough, but it is what it is. If you got any questions for our guests, go ahead and throw them in the comments. We'll get them to uh, the guests. Um, talk about just kind of how the weather reacts in your area. So we've been talking about Winter Harbor and uh, with Jerry and with Dan about that northeast wind that we're looking at tomorrow. But how does the weather affect the fishery in the Racine area? Um, same thing. That northeast wind is is a killer. Um, another pattern I picked up on when that southeast wind blows up in the afternoons, it tends to shut the fishing down. Mm -hmm. um, so that can be a little bit tough, but yeah, like you were saying earlier, that west wind is our friend. Yes. Um, so that's always always nice, but yeah, it whenever we have a big blow, it kind of resets things. So then it's just a matter of figuring out the new patterns after that. So one of the things that I'm seeing a lot is um, you know lake trout, and they're talking about doing some commercial lake trout fishing in Lake Michigan, and then of course there's. A lot of people that don't want to see that happen. I think most, well, I shouldn't say most of them in the room, but everyone in the room, I think, is on board with that. Uh, tell us a little bit about that and kind of what's what's going on with that in Wisconsin right now. Um, so there's a proposal that um, the commercial fishermen would be able to harvest lake trout um, as part of their catch. Um, us as charter captains, you know, we, we don't want to see that happen because um, 
you know, who knows the impact that it'll have on the fishery. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, there's sometimes that there's, there's not a lot of salmon around. Um, so we rely heavily on the lake trout, you know, to put some fish in the boat. And, you know, if, if who knows what, what the population will, will do. And so that's a, it's been a very uh, hot topic among the fishing community as of late. Yeah. And it's something that when you, when you talk to, uh, you know, biologists I know in, in Lake Ontario and Lake Erie, there's a lot of people that are talking about, you know, we're trying to rebuild this lake trout population and we want to get our lake trout back to where they were because they're actually native species. And now we're talking about commercial fishing them uh, off, off of Wisconsin. So it just seems counterintuitive compared to what we're hearing in a lot of the other lakes in the Great Lakes. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a tricky thing if they're saying that there's not enough bait yet there's they've been stocking lake trout lake trout quite a bit mm -hmm. and now to a point where there's too many of them so you know they're not it sounds like sometimes they're not telling us everything that we need to know yeah. you know so i mean there's what is the carrying capacity of the lake like how much life can it carry you know it can they harvest x amount of lake trout mm -hmm. and it allow us to stock more silverfish i think is a good question i mean right. it's a good trade-off yeah, and that's something that, that Wisconsin has done quite a bit of recently is they've, they've stepped up that stocking program for the salmon, and it's something that I know the folks on the other side of the lake wish that, that was happening more on that side. Um, there's always the kind of that balance that the scientists are going after. You know, I know, you know, what happened to Lake Huron 20 years ago is like the big fear. We don't want to see a bait fish collapse, so there's always this thing. And we, keep, we can just go and just dump millions of fish in the lake, but that's obviously not the answer. So it's this delicate balance that we're dealing with right now. And it really, um, it affects a lot. It affects what everybody in this room is doing. It affects what hmm. everybody in a lot of different places are doing. You know, we need to find the right balance for the fishery to make sure that we can sustain it through as far as we can. Anyway. Exactly. So it's a tough deal. It's a job that I know the biologists want to make the right decision. You know, we all talk to those guys and, and gals and they're good people. and They're trying to do the right thing for everybody. And it just becomes a, a tough situation. But uh, the good thing is, I feel like right now we're in a good spot in a lot of lakes. And, and um, Sarah, I hope you have a great year. Um, if people want to find out more about going fishing with you, where do they go? Um, check us out on Facebook, Schools Out Sport Fishing. Um, and uh, we're also on Instagram. And yeah. So, Schools Out Sport Fishing, Facebook, Instagram, you guys have a website? We do, schoolsoutfishing.com. Schoolsoutfishing.com. Out of Racine, you can go and get yourself a Pringle, get out in the water, catch some nice salmon. Yep. It's a good time. Yep. Sarah, I really appreciate you coming awesome. on. We'd love Thank to have you, so you on again. So, we'll good to see you. Good to meet you, Awesome. Awesome. Thanks for listening to the Great Lakes Fishing Podcast presented by Fishhawk Electronics. For more information on fishing the Great Lakes, visit our blog at fishhawkelectronics.com.